What's going on, guys? So in today's episode, we are going to dive into my top 10 fantasy half PPR wide receivers for the 2020 season. Um, today, I'm going to start with, I did my running backs yesterday, so if you didn't see that, check it out. But I started that one yesterday. This time, I'm going to let the suspense build, and I'm going to start at 10. Because this list, I just looking at it when I was done, I, I kind of looked at just the overall ADPs and how they align with this. And this is going to be a little bit controversial, I think. So um, that's cool, I guess. But it's just how I feel. You know, I'm, I'm never going to do anything to be controversial, but I just I got done doing this and putting this list together. And I, it it does appear somewhat different to uh, at least the ADPs that I'm looking at. So uh, number 10 is Odell Beckham Jr., Okay, this guy, he's his current ADP is what is a wide receiver 13. He's going in like round four. And that's not to say that I'm higher on him to the point where I would take him any earlier than that. I'm not. I like him in round four. But uh, I do like him. I, I didn't like him at all last year. I told everybody to not draft him, um, especially because he was going like first round, you know, or early second round. I just didn't see it. You know, I, I, I a lot of times and you'll see there's another guy on this list that this year that is sort of like the Odell of last year. So I think that here are some reasons why Odell is my number 10 receiver over some guys that I probably left off this list that you might be wondering why. So let me tell you, Odell Beckham is an elite player still. He's still an elite talent. I don't like, here we go. We're allowing recency bias and what he did on a brand new team and a brand new system with a brand new quarterback and everything. We're allowing that to make us think that he's not the talent that he that he once was he's like 26 guys he he played almost every what did he play every game last year they just didn't have chemistry that was the issue he is still very much an elite talent now this is his second season with baker mayfield okay so there will be some continuity some cohesiveness built up between them now and more importantly than anything, I, I could probably tell you right now, the expectations are incredibly low. He's even going in the fifth round of, of many drafts. Do a mock draft. He'll he'll be available in the fourth round easily. So uh, sometimes I've seen him slip all the way to the end of the fourth or fifth round. So not the end of the fifth, I meant end of the fourth into the fifth round. But um, guys, guys play better when the expectations are low. When the ex like last year's Browns, it was like you would have thought they were the greatest show on turf was about to happen. Like the expectations, and I know Cleveland, I feel for you because you guys were 0 16, you have a die hard fan base, and you guys were just ready for something great to happen. And unfortunately, that was like used against your team, especially Odell, because he brings that with him. You know, last year when the Giants traded him, I said, the brand of OBJ is bigger than the impact of the player on the, on the football field will be. And that proved to be true. You know, I'm not trying to toot my own horn, but that really did prove to be true because Odell brought his brand and his, um, his clout, so to speak with him to Cleveland. And that just took on a life of its own. You know, now we got Jarvis and we got Odell and we got the, you know, the coach, this is a better coach. We got all, all this and that. And 
And it really, it, it was too much expectation too fast for a very young football team and a team in a city that has not won in a very, very long time. So um, the good news is Cleveland. This year, nobody's thinking about you guys. Nobody's talking about you. They're not Super Bowl this, none of that crap is happening. It's very low expectation. I think Odell Beckham will rise up and, and remind people why he is one of the highest paid receivers in football and why he is still one of the most talented players in the NFL. All right. Number nine, DJ Moore. Um, so he's being drafted as wide receiver 12 right now in the rounds three or four. Um, I noticed that just from my overall feel of the situation is that DJ Moore's slowly going up, and I think you're going to have to spend a third-round pick on him, which I also think is fine. Um, I think that's okay. I mean, depending on what's there, like always, you know, we want to go running backs here but in the third round. But if if it's not there, as you guys saw in my last mock draft, I took a wide receiver in the second round. Like, you got to go with what's available, and so – Ideally, would I love to get DJ Moore in the third? Not really. I'd love to get him in the fourth, but I'll I'll take him in the third and definitely. So, um, I mean, he's my wide receiver nine, so I view him as a wide receiver one in most in most situations, right? Um, so he's the DJ Moore is the perfect blend of physically imposing, along with that guy that can get consistent separation and give you yards after the catch. Like he can create them. He can run around you, run by you, run through you. Like Steve Smith said on, on draft day, <laughs> it's just true. Uh, DJ Moore is, has tremendous play strength for his size. And he's, and he's not small either. He's, he's right at six foot, 200 pounds. So he's, he's uh, similar to Jalen Rieger, Debo Samuel, kind of like that. But um, DJ has very good ball skills as well. So he's a, he's a legit outside receiver that can also play in the slot. And he just has that kind of uh, ability to make his own, to create his own yards. Um, so from weeks five to 15, so that's 10 games. He averaged about seven catches for 91 yards and he had three touchdowns in that time. He was wide receiver seven over that, that game, uh, that 10 game stretch. So, what I think is most encouraging about DJ Moore is he was a he was wide receiver seven, as I said, over that 10 games. And that was just with three touchdowns in 10 games. So he's really earning it. I think that he's due for positive touchdown regression, especially when you consider his new offensive coordinator was the offensive coordinator of LSU. And DJ Moore will be in that Jamar Chase role. And if I remember correctly, Chase had like 21 touchdowns. So there will be schemes that I mean, there will be able to scheme open some touchdowns, I'm sure. Obviously, that's not all going to translate to the NFL game, but I think some of that will. They'll be able to get DJ Moore in the damn end zone, I think, at least more than he was last year. And that should be enough to make him justify wide receiver nine, which is my expectation. All right. Number eight, wide receiver eight for me is DeAndre Hopkins. So this is who I was referring to when I was saying this could be this year's Odell or this could be last year's Odell Beckham. So uh, Hop is being drafted as wide receiver four in rounds one, late one, early two. But here are my reasons for having him just a little lower than than some people. So he's in a brand new scheme on a, on a limited offseason, number one. OK, and I know he's a veteran. and He's got all the talent in the world. So that may not be a huge issue, but that's one of the contributing factors here to me. He is in an offense with Larry Fitzgerald, who is going to be on that field making plays. Uh, Larry Fitzgerald, Christian Kirk, Kenyon Drake, Andy Isabella, and Hakeem Butler. 
these are all guys that they invested relatively high in, you know, second, third round picks. And uh, I mean, Larry Fitzgerald is Larry Fitzgerald. So Kenyon Drake is like the sixth highest paid running back in the league by average annual salary standards, and he will catch passes. So uh, that matters, you know, and I mean, it's, it's, there's, there are a lot of mouths to feed in Arizona. And I know I like to say that that's a good thing because it, it will create more more one on ones. But the uh, for a guy that is going to dominate in, in essentially any one on one situation. But I also think that the way this Cardinals offense is is um, is set up, it's it's not to force feed one guy, you know, so I don't think he's going to I don't think there's any chance he catches 100 passes. I don't think there's any chance. I'm thinking 75 to 85, right in there, you know, lower. I'm, I'm, I'm more confident on the 75 end of that spectrum. So um, I do think he'll, he'll, like he averaged last year, he averaged less yards per reception than Michael Thomas. So, um, and by like almost half a yard too, it was like by 0.3, I think. But, um, you know, so those are all reasons that I'm not like, I'm not going to tell you to draft DeAndre Hopkins in the first round. And me personally, I'll be avoiding him in the early to mid second round as well. If he drops to the late second, I'm going to feel like it's good value, but I'm still, as I sit here right now, I'm not thrilled on a late second round pick on him there. I'm just not. Um, so it's, and it's just because I, I want that high floor. I want that volume with those first two uh, picks first, first and second round. Like I, I need to feel like I'm getting that volume when I, when I go to the, third fourth rounds and i got guys like dj moore and odell beckham jr there's one thing odell didn't have a good year last year right but he absolutely saw volume like baker damn sure tried to give him the ball you know he targeted him an outrageous amount it just the chemistry was lacking um so in hopkins case i don't think there's any chance he gets anywhere near the volume that he's used to but i do think he will average more uh, closer to like 14 yards per catch back to kind of where he needs to be. And I think that he will score more touchdowns or at least as many. So, um, so his efficiency will go up in those, in those areas, but yeah, he's my one wide receiver eight. My wide receiver seven is Detroit's own Kenny Galladay. So this is one of my favorite stats about Galladay. And remember this is last year. Galladay played half, literally half a season with backup quarterbacks. 63 out of his 65 catches went for either a first down or a touchdown. 63 of 65. What is that? Like 97%? I don't know. It's up there. Very high percentage. Only two catches last year were, were meaningless, essentially, for Galladay. And that was with really not very good quarterback play for half the season. Um, yeah, so he it would be it would be naive of us. And I know I'm probably higher on Galladay than most. It would be naive of us not to fully expect not to not to like maybe you know i fully expect his best season ever because by all indicators it should be matt stafford is back man he's he's gonna be back and healthy and and um this offense has weapons just enough weapons not 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 where it's like too much you know what i mean to where it's you don't see the workload. Like I see Galladay is going to get fed by Stafford, especially Stafford likes to give his, his number one guy the ball. So that won't be an issue. Um, and he's going to catch touchdowns, man. Galladay is just too, he is, he's too big, strong, physically imposing, and has too good of ball skills to not catch some touchdowns in, in the, uh, in some one-on-one -on -one ball situations. So, um, I mean, the guy averaged over 18 yards per catch last year, which was third best in the NFL with a minimum of 80 targets amongst guys with minimum 80 targets. So I just think 
This guy is legit. And the fact that you might be able to get this man in the third round, because that is where he's currently going, believe it or not, early third round, but still is insane. If you're if you're drafting at the top around three and you and you see Kenny Galladay's name there, just take him and be happy as hell about it. All right. Wide receiver six for me is Mike Evans. I'm a little lower on Evans than most. I think he's going in around the third round, late second, early third round. It's wide receiver seven. So I guess I'm I'm right. I'm actually technically higher on him, I think. Okay, so that's cool. But um, the reason I say I'm lower on him is because of how I view him in my mind. I won't, I in all likelihood won't get Mike Evans unless he's there in the third round for me, for sure. It would definitely not be second round, but um. He's going to return value when you look at just the raw, where did he finish? Where did you take him? He, it'll be a, it'll be of value, right? But the issue with him is that there are going to be games where he definitely going to be weeks where he wins you the game. And there's also going to be weeks where he loses it for you. Cause he just, especially this year with Brady, I expect them to be winning more. And I, I don't expect his um, potential volume to be the same. I mean, he was never really a high-volume guy anyways. Like, he's not going to catch 100 passes necessarily, or he wasn't last year. So um, I think his, I think he's going to be right in the 60 to 70 catch range. But I think that his efficiency will be there. I mean, he's averaged over 17 yards a catch in each of the last two years, which is insane. Um, but I just think that he will be that kind of same thing. You know, 60 to 70 catches, right around 8 to 10 touchdowns. And that's great, especially when you're averaging over 17 yards per catch, which that might come down a little bit because, like I said, they're going to be playing with the lead a lot of times. So it's it just changes the way you attack. Um, but it is a Bruce Arians offense, so who knows about that. But, you know, I just think that Evans in the third round is tremendous value. I think he's still the sixth best. I think he'll score the six most points at, at, out of any wide receiver still. So I'm, it's not like I'm low on him. I'm just really speaking to the overall value of drafting him and where you should. But in any case, he's my wide receiver six. All right. Wide receiver five, Tyreek Hill, the cheetah. This dude has some wheels, man. He is a little dude with um, with better ball skills than you think and some wheels. And his ceiling is outrageously high. He could easily finish in the top three. Um, so let me just be clear. I'm a little lower on Tyreek because... I just I'm not low on him generally, but I'm low on him from the standpoint of like I prefer for the value, like meaning for where I have to draft him because he's going in the first round, late first round. Like I'll never I'll never I won't have Tyreek Hill in any league this year. I won't. Um, and that's because I prefer I like the value of guys like Kenny Galladay in the third round, DJ Moore in the third or fourth round, Odell in the fourth round, etc. Like, I just think that that volume, I mean, uh, value is better because I think that those guys are going to score within like two to three points at worst of what Tyreek Hill scores for you every week when it's all averaged out. And I think you can get him two rounds later than that means that you can get a second round or first round quality player and still get somebody a couple rounds later that can get you what, what Tyreek essentially is going to get you. But overall, I do think that when it's all said and done, he will be a top five fantasy wide receiver in 2020. And that is why I have him as my wide receiver five. So, um, you know, like I said, he's elite and that offense is going to be 
electric again. So Tyreek Hill is awesome. And another, he's going to have another big season. Um, just volume won't always be there with him, but literally anytime he touches the football, he can score. So that always helps in fantasy. <laughs> um, all right. Why wide receiver four is going to be Julio Jones. Julio is being drafted as wide receiver five in the second rounds. Um, let me just like be clear on my thoughts on Julio. If we look at things objectively without like any sort of weird um, trying to be Nostradamus here and just predict something randomly that's like we have no evidence of, we have to understand there is absolutely no indication that Julio Jones is slowing down. None. None. Like you might just say, well, he's older. Dude. This guy was the wide receiver three over the final five, what I call fantasy weeks of the season, which means weeks 12 through 16. He was wide receiver three in points per game. Okay, he's not slowing down. He's not. Uh, over the last six seasons, he's averaging 104 catches for 1,565 yards and six touchdowns. He's averaging over 100 catches in each of the over the last six seasons. I mean, he's only had less than 100 catches in one of those years. You know, he's, he's, to me, he is as safe a bet as you can get at the wide receiver position because of any piece of evidence you want to bring forward. Literally any, anything, you know what I mean? He, it, it will indicate that you should be comfortable drafting Julio in the second round. If you want a guy that's going to catch a hundred passes, for 1500 yards, period. You know what I mean? And, and who knows, he may, he may, you know, screw around and catch, you know, 10 or 12 touchdowns this year. It's not like he can't do it. He absolutely can. And with a guy like Calvin Ridley, a third year version of Calvin Ridley on the other side to take some of that pressure off, who knows? Julio may have some opportunities one-on-one -on -one in the red zone where he will easily jump ball somebody and, and uh, Matt Ryan can get it to him there. So like Julio could finish as a wide receiver one easily, you know, so he's my wide receiver four. And I think that's very conservative. Um, all right. Chris Godwin is my wide receiver three. He's uh, being drafted as wide receiver six in the second or third round, late two, early three. Um, Godwin caught over six passes per game in 2019. So it was like 6.3 or something like that. I mean, you talk about a Tom Brady slot receiver that's also an elite talent that's also has one year of experience and absolutely dominated in a Bruce Arians slot role, that big slot role. So I like that a lot. I think that is going to bode really well for him. I think his floor is extremely high, but I also think his ceiling is extremely high. And it's his second year in a system in, in, in pro football, especially in any football, but in pro football, continuity is crucial. And he has it, you know, in this offense, Brady's learning their offense. They're not learning the Brady offense. Brady's learning Bruce's offense. And Godwin has a year of experience already in that offense. So um, I just, by all indications here, he should have a very, very high floor and a very, very high ceiling. And he should be at least in what I'm projecting as the third best receiver in fantasy football in 2020, Chris Godwin. All right. My wide receiver two is Devontae Adams. And uh, that's about where the consensus is on him. Um, so this guy had five games with 100 plus receiving yards in 2019. Um Plus, he had 100-plus yards in both playoff games. So he had seven uh, in total. And including the playoffs, he averaged over his final five games, including the playoffs, he averaged nine catches. I'm rounding up there. Nine for 122, and he had four touchdowns in those five games. And he averaged just about 14 yards per catch. 
Devontae Adams finished on absolute fire. And uh, he he was targeted double-digit times, 10 or more times, in uh, 10 of his 14 games, including 10 of his final 11 games. He had double-digit targets. So the good news is, for fantasy owners, is the Packers have added no one. The bad news is, for Packer fans, is that you've added no one. And Devin Funches, who you did add, has opted out. So that's unfortunate in some ways for Packer fans. But for fantasy purposes, Devontae Adams is wide receiver two, and and that's his almost floor, in my opinion. Wide receiver one, Michael Thomas, man. This guy is going as early as like maybe fourth or fifth overall. He averaged three more points per game than the second best player last year, which is Chris Godwin. Um, I think Emmanuel Sanders is good for him, and I usually do lean on the side of this where an additional playmaker is good for another receiver. Um, I mean, because you got to if they didn't if they didn't sign Emmanuel Sanders, opposing defenses would be like, okay, let's just throw everybody at Thomas, right? Like, let's just take that guy away and make and make them have to go somewhere else because they don't have anyone else. Well, Emmanuel Sanders is just the right amount of good enough of a player to remove some some of that attention from Michael Thomas or or to at least not allow you to solely focus in on on stopping Michael Thomas. So that's good. Um, and this dude averaged almost he averaged about 108 yards a game in 2019. He had 10 100 yard games and he only had one game with fewer than 50 yards if you don't count week 17 which they were they won like 42 to 10 against Carolina in that game so um yeah I mean he was even the wide receiver one over the final four games uh, it's just he's extremely consistent I mean that's almost a joke of me even saying that's almost an understatement of the year he's just extremely consistent and he's never finished a season with fewer than 92 catches like this guy is the real deal he may not be, you know, exciting in terms of like what he can't do, what Tyreek Hill can do after the catch and things like that. He's not the physical freak that Julio Jones is uh, or that Mike Evans is. But what he is, is a intelligent route runner and someone that has mastered Sean Payton's system and a guy that in all likelihood will finish as the 2020 wide receiver one, just like he did in 2019. So sorry to be, you know, totally going with the consensus on this one, but it's just the right it's just the truth. Michael Thomas is a wide receiver one. I could see Devontae Adams doing it sort of the same way where I could see Saquon being RB1 over Christian McCaffrey, but there is absolutely nothing that you can point to that would make that that should make that your projection, unless I mean objectively speaking. So so there there are my top 10 wide receivers for fantasy this year. I've got some more stuff coming out tomorrow, guys. And I really appreciate you guys listening. I just realized that it's several different countries that are listening to this podcast in just such a short time. So I'm very, very grateful for that. Um, thank you, guys. And I will see you tomorrow. Peace.